0: Hello friends, welcome to the Eucharist Church Podcast. I'm Kevin Makins, one of the pastors at Eucharist, and you're about to listen to our sermon series on reclaiming Christianity. We are going to be engaging this for a number of months as we try to find a more Christ-like way to be Christians. You are welcome to join us any Wednesday night. We meet at 8 p.m. on Zoom, and all the information is at eucharistchurch.ca, including how to join a breakout group if you'd like to be a part of a regular breakout group after the service. And maybe a small request before we jump in, if you find this content fruitful, helpful for naming and articulating things, we are on a quest to reclaim this faith for good. So feel free to share it around to enter into conversation with friends about it and to wrestle through this content with people in your own life. We hope that it helps you and blesses you as you do that. Grace and peace. So this week we're gonna be looking at reclaiming theology. And uh, if you guys know me at all, you know this is a topic I feel pretty strongly about. Theology, sort of broadly, is the study of religion and the nature of divinity, which makes it sound really heady. But in reality, theology isn't just about formal study. Whenever any of us talk about interactions with God, interactions with the divine, our questions about God or to God, how we encounter meaning and purpose in a world that can feel so random and chaotic, in all of these conversations, we are in some way talking about theology. And so theology shouldn't be something reserved for academics, something for clergy. Theology is for everyone. Theology is for everybody everywhere, and it has to be. It has to be. Because God has chosen to be revealed in history and in community. So until we listen well to others, and we mine our own history, personal and communal, for insights, We won't hear fully what God wants to reveal to us about who he is and how he is at work. So yes, on the one hand, theology is for everyone. That sounds great. And so I slaved away on this sermon for this week. I really, I worked it. (laughs) And I was outlining what can this look like and how do we pay attention to it? And what are the dangers and pitfalls of doing theology together? What's the potential for joy and meaning that it can bring? And for weeks, I had been gathering ideas and links and quotes for this talk about reclaiming theology and had the whole sermon ready to go. It's somewhere around here. It's a mess. But I read it over and it was fine and it was even a little good. But there was one big problem with it, which is it just didn't feel like the way Jesus usually taught about theology. Like the sermon was a bunch of ideas and concepts with some small attempts to add stories and levity. But when Jesus taught about theology, he rarely did it with this didactic to the point preaching. Just as often, if not more so, he did it through stories and he did it through parables. I I believe that Jesus believed that stories could do things that simple words couldn't do. And the more this week I kind of reflected on how Jesus taught about theology, the more I com- uncomfortable I was preaching a sermon about theology that was ultimately still just more words. So I decided to take a note from Jesus and th- write a parable for you all. <laughs> Yay! Uh, it may not be good, I'm not Jesus, nor am I Clive Staple Lewis, but I think that uh, revisiting theology is one of the most important tasks facing us as we attempt to reclaim Christianity today. So, you know, you can hear this through the lens of a parable. I guess you can't hear it through the lens of a parable. (laughs) You can hear it through the ears of a parable. Um, And I invite you to pay some specific attention to references and characters, because I really did try not to waste any sentences. And silly as it might seem, because it is kind of a silly parable, this is essentially the same sermon I was going to preach that felt too heady. It's just kind of being crammed, every point of it has been crammed into what I hope is at least a semi-functional children's story of sorts. So here it is, a story that I hope uh, gives you a way to think about what it might mean to reclaim theology in our lives, in our church, and in our city. Uh, And I'll read through it, and then afterwards I'll just share a couple of closing reflections before we move into the rest of the service. (laughs) There once were three brothers who went to the beach with their mother. The oldest brother ran down to the water with buckets and shovels, insisting that he knew how to build the best sandcastle. He had spent a lot of time practicing in the sandbox at home and even took out a book from the library called Systematic Sandcastle Building. So he scoped out a location right next to the water where everybody could see and got to work under the hot sun. And he dragged around buckets of sand, firmly pressing each one until it made a perfect brick, which he stacked one on top of the other until the sandcastle stood even taller than he was, its towers reaching to the seagulls overhead, its decorated foundation carefully carved out in exquisite detail. It was beautiful. And finally, when the structure was complete, he adorned it with the beach's finest feathers and seashells before standing back to bask in the glory. By now the sand castle had drawn spectators in from all over the beach. It's beautiful, said one. So tall, said another. How did you do it? asked a third. To which the elder brother pulled out his previously prepared lecture about proper sandcastle etiquette and the proper way to adorn it with feathers and shells. And before long he was lost in a passionate rant against modern trends in sandcastle construction which he had noticed up and down beaches just like this one and how it must be properly and publicly rebuked. He even invited people to visit his blog and signed a petition titled the Sandcastle Statement. What he didn't realize was that a group of water skiers had gone out on the lake, and each time they passed by, more and more waves crashed onto the shore and began to erode the foundation of the sand castle. It was only when he noticed the shocked faces of the crowd that he finally turned to see the tower now slouching towards the water, and the elder brother ran over and tried to fix it. He used a small shovel to push mud against the foundation, but it was no use. Finally, a gust of wind hit the top of the tallest tower and the entire castle began to crumble until it crashed into the lake. The crowd was too busy taking pictures to help. In one of them, the mighty sand castle is captured mid-fall while its pompous prince watches it crumble, horrified and powerless. The post went viral and I believe it's now a meme. The elder brother ran off crying. But no one followed him. Now, slightly down the beach, watching this disaster play out, was the middle brother, who was starting work on his own sandcastle when this happened, but watching his brother's sandcastle collapse caused him to have some doubts. What's the point of building a sandcastle if it all just might fall apart, he thought to himself. It would be so humiliating if my sandcastle collapsed. He stared at his elder brother's ruins, and then he had an idea. What if I went over there and took his old castle apart? Maybe I could figure out what went wrong with it and make sure that mine doesn't fall. So the middle brother went over to the remains of the sand castle and broke it all apart, piece by piece by piece, until it lay out before him in the clear light of day, and what he found surprised him. Despite how beautiful his brother's castle had looked, after taking it apart, he realized it was nothing special at all. There was no glory to it, no magic or beauty. It consisted of nothing but a few dirty feathers, some broken shell pieces, and a few dozen dispersed piles of mud. Ha! thought the younger brother. "'Now I see much more clearly than that ignorant brother of mine,' he said as he wrote in the journal he had brought to the beach because he was an introspective young man. "'Now I know that the problem with sandcastles isn't the building, but the sandcastle itself. "'Who first decided that it would be fun to give form to this dirt?' These feathers are nasty. These shells are broken. And what's the point of building a sandcastle at all when surely there must be better things you could do at the beach? Before long, the brother had written out a lengthy treaty explaining why sandcastles were a relic of the past, soon to be replaced by more dignified beach activities. And if you really think about it, they're not much fun at all. Thesis complete, he sat for a few minutes staring at the pile of dirt in front of him. He certainly didn't feel comfortable building a sandcastle of his own, but he didn't know what else to do. And now, as he was reflecting further, he started noticing that this beach was full of strange people doing strange things around him. Some of them had filled up an oversized balloon with oxygen and were bouncing it back and forth for no reason? How ridiculous! Another man was attempting to eat all-dressed chips surrounded by sand on a windy beach. How illogical! None of this is magical. None of this made sense. None of it is interesting. And so eventually he too wandered off. There are different accounts of where he went next. Some claimed that he was wandering aimlessly in search of some direction, and people were worried he might get lost or run into a group there to make trouble. Others said he walked around educating other kids on the troubling history of sandcastle building. And a few insist he simply wandered back to the car, muttering about how much he hates the beach and played Nintendo Switch in the back seat until the family went home." And all that leaves us with the only person on the beach who wasn't interested in the eldest brother's sandcastle, because he was too busy failing to build his own. The youngest brother must have been working on his sandcastle for nearly two hours, but he had nothing to show for it. He wasn't strong enough to pick up the bucket and pack it tight with sand he lacked the fine motor skills required for decorating with feathers and shells. Whenever he got his castle even one bucket high, it would get knocked over either by a stray soccer ball or just his own underdeveloped motor skills. And eventually the younger brother realized that despite his best intentions, he didn't really know how to build a sandcastle and was never gonna learn on his own. So he went to his mother and asked for help. And she put down her white claw and her trashy beach reed and got down into the mud with her son. She started to show him the best ways to build sand bricks, how to make sure the tower was balanced, but then she gave him the best insight of all. What we really need, she said, is something to build on. So the two of them walked around the beach looking for the right stones. These rocks are really heavy, she said to him him as they gathered. If we put them all around the base of the castle and pour the mud between it, it'll get solid and you'll always know that that part of the sandcastle will remain. But Mama, the boy responded as they lay out the foundation, even if I build on top of the rock, won't some of the sandcastle still fall over? Oh, sweetie. His mom let said, laugh lines forming around her eyes. It will, it will, it will fall down over and over again. That's just part of life. But look, as long as the rocks are there, you'll always have something to build off. You could even build it better next time. Packing sand into the bucket, she flipped it upside down to place the first part of a new castle before saying, And the rocks will also remind you that I was here with you, that I believe in you, and you are never building on your own. So the youngest brother spent the rest of the afternoon lost in blissful play. Some of his castles became so tall that the wind knocked them over. Other times he took apart what wasn't working and tried again, but the whole time... He was full of wonder, captivated, vibrant, alive, totally in the zone. So much so that he barely registered when his mother called to him to tell him that she was so proud of his building and that she'd be right back because she was going to search for his brothers who were lost somewhere on the beach to see if they'd want to come back and build sand castles with him. Okay, so Jesus quality, it may not be, but uh, hopefully this maybe not so subtle parable gives you something to reflect on as you think about theology, fundamentalism, deconstruction, and what it looks like to Reclaim theology as something that can guide us, that can help us make meaning out of our suffering, that can ultimately give us a soulful foundation on which to build our lives. Uh, I noticed that when we asked questions about theology last Sunday, lots of people shared that when they were younger, they felt like they were given theology as a whole package, something that they either had to receive entirely or reject entirely. But I really hope this parable helps you rethink some of that. Without getting too explainy about the story, the one thing that I might wanna point out is the idea that some parts of our sandcastles are more important than others. Jesus told a parable that was much shorter than mine because he was better at it about a man who built a house on a rock and a man who built house on the sand. And the material and the design is a lot less valuable than what they build on. And later on in the New Testament, Christ is called the cornerstone of the family of God. Both of these statements lead me to believe that when it comes to theology, we should see it less as a whole package and more so in two parts— There's the part of theology that we contribute, and there's the parts that we build on. So believe me when I say I understand why it's so important to take the thing apart, to re-examine it, to see how we got here. My wisdom on this would be that after walking dozens and dozens of people through that process, you also have to have something you can rest on at the bottom. You have to have something bigger than you. Something you didn't create. Something you didn't figure out. Something that you don't earn, but you receive as true. Otherwise, you're at risk of becoming bitter and jaded and tired. You're at risk of being taken away by unhealthy ideologies and groups. Or maybe worse, simply amusing yourself to death because there's certainly enough to entertain you. Social media algorithms and popular opinion would be thrilled for you to use this theology question as an opportunity to go on another quest of self-discovery where you pick out your ideal foundations for life. But the world around us and the algorithms and all of that's gonna pressure you to stop short of any real transformation. My read would be our cultural narratives around us prefer things that are surface-level, individualistic, and freely chosen like any other product. Our culture is uniquely, uniquely individualistic, consumeristic, and shallow. But that is not what Christ points us to, and neither is the best of church tradition our foundation must be bigger than us, something we receive and submit ourselves to. For what it's worth, I would suggest the foundation of your life has to be something that's the opposite of those three values of our culture, meaning it might have to be communal and traditional and deep. I have so much more to say about this, and I would you know, love to talk with anyone if anyone wants to talk about it, but I'm going to leave it there because what's the point of telling a parable if afterwards I just preach a whole other sermon? So I'm done. I'm done. That's my two cents. And uh, as you wrestle with that story and as you wrestle with this yourself, may the peace of Christ guide you as you look for a foundation worth building your life on. May that foundation give you something you can put your trust in and may the act of building itself give you purpose. Matthew seven twenty four to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash.